Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit DFS Strategy Show right here on Osmo.com. Of course, that's the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. I am Jason Floyd. Pete, uh, happy Thursday. We're back to Thursdays now that the Thursday night football schedule is over, and it is finally fight week. I can actually honestly say that I missed you, and I missed our audience. I missed you guys. It's been a while, and, uh, you know, it was it was a nice little break from the fights, but now we're back to it, and we're going to be hammering some fights, tons of UFC action. I'm excited for this card. We have a ton of big cards and content coming forward. So, uh, you know, happy to be here, guys, and, uh, you know, interested to see where some of our viewers, you know, think on some of these fights. Hold on. Did you say you missed me? I, I'm not going to repeat it, Jason. So, I mean, maybe you might have heard that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – but, man, we have got a ton to get into – before we even get into the new DraftKings scoring, which I think for a lot of people was probably a blessing for 2021 with, you know, adding total strikes uh, and some other things there. Uh, Pete, uh, anyone who goes over to awesomeo.com goes to the MMA section. There's a nice little surprise there. Yes, sir. I have a ton of content coming this way and uh, dropping some more tomorrow. And I can kind of explain what you can expect going on to Awesomeo. So, of course, we have our heat sheet over there, which is, you know, the, the nice spreadsheet that everybody enjoys, and it's very helpful. Um, we do have my fight analysis that you're seeing right now on the screen, where I kind of go through each fight and give you my prediction and, and breakdown in a concise way. Um, some other tools that we have is uh, Takedown City, Jason. I, I had to run with something with that term. And uh, on that tool, you'll see a chart mixed with a graph uh, for both offensive takedowns and times that they have been taken down as well. So if you're looking to dive deep into the fights, I strongly recommend heading over to Awesome I'll have a ton of content there. I'll be pumping it out on my social media, on Twitter, at PTEMMA. Um, it's under the MMA Articles tab. And, uh, you know, I'll have post-weigh-in analysis and uh, some heaters, like some nice betting picks that, I, that I'm getting behind. So, I mean, if you like the deep thought process behind it you have a nice spot to go to on awesome.com right now of course yeah you gotta check that over there at awesome.com of course uh be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on youtube hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell of course you know we got shows all day long for you to get you ready not just for this week's ufc car but the nfl playoffs this weekend of course the daily nba schedule nba games nhl is back we got a great promo going on over at the site for our NHL coverage. So ton of stuff going on over here at awesomeo.com. But Pete, uh, you know, I mentioned about the big news uh, of the past couple of weeks is that DraftKings has actually changed their scoring system. This is something that, you know, we have, you know, talked about over the last nine months or so of kind of, a, especially, you know, based on how fight metrics scored the fight in relative to, significant strikes versus total strikes and DraftKings really has fixed that here we now get 0.2 points for total strikes 0.2 for significant strikes uh, of course significant strikes was a half a point now you get control time points 
0.03 points per seconds of control time. There is no more advancing points at all, uh, which was plus three. Also, there's a quick win bonus. Uh, if you get a first-round victory in under 60 seconds, that's 25 points. And people can see right now on the screen a tweet you had a little while ago comparing if this new DraftKings scoring system was in it in, in December, how we would have seen some fights scored. Yeah, so, I mean... It's a new type of scoring. It's going to make some quite unique scores, to be honest. So, like, uh, I think duplicates will, will, you know, they will definitely decrease because you're going to have so many unique scores. Um, it's it's interesting because, you know, you're not having to rely on significant strikes so much. You're, you can get away with having somebody who has a high total of strikes, which is nice, Um it's just, uh, you know, the control time of the grappling definitely changes things. The control time, you know, you, you take away advances, but uh, if somebody's very, you know, very uh, suffocating on the mat, then they can pose some problems and definitely break the slate. Like, I can only imagine, like, a Habib, you know, or a Hamza Chimaev, how their scores would be, you know, influenced in a situation like this. Now, um, we are rewarded with a nice quick win bonus. You mentioned 25 points. So I call it the Francis Ngannou bonus. So you need guys to go out there and get you a finish in under a minute. Um, I, I think that the scoring still needs some changes, but, you know, we'll take it in stride. They're listening to our advice and everything, and uh, I'm excited to see how this card plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I do think it's even more advantaged grapplers on DraftKings. I mean, it's something we have talked about for a long time, but you know, you, you think about when you have a fire who's going up against someone that you believe cannot stop a takedown. You know, we've we joked about John Phillips can't stop a takedown. How many points someone would have scored against John Phillips in, in the scoring system? But I, I think it's also as you are developing your rosters for Saturday, it's something you have to think about is, is there someone on this card that you believe is going to take the fight to the ground their opponent will not be able to get up and you might be able to rack up some points just on control time. Yeah. I mean, there's no, uh, John Phillips on the card. I don't, I don't really see somebody that's going to go out there and just get completely, you know, just destroyed on the mat. Uh, there are some spots where the grappling could come into play. I'm excited to get into it with you. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to other cards where we have a John Phillips on the card and be like, okay, smash spot. Yeah, but uh, we got a ton of fights to break down here, so let's get right into it. Main event, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Looking at the DK lines on this one, Max Holloway, 8,900. Calvin Cater, he's 7,300. And then over on FanDuel, $21 for Max Holloway, $18 for Calvin Cater. And uh, when I peeked at the DraftKings lines for this one, I was actually surprised about how high Max Holloway was in this one. You know, we were talking before the lines came out for this, and and I was thinking 85, 86. So with that 8,900, that stuck out to me. This is a fight, particularly in cash. I know we're not big stackers. This is a cash stack fight to me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you brought up the stacking because I wonder if stacking's viable now with the new set of scoring. I mean, uh you know, I, I do think that in a matchup like this, a five-round fight that you expect to stay on the feet where they just chain, uh, trade blows, you know, this would be the spot, right? This would be the spot to test out this new scoring system. Um, 8,900 uh, for Holloway, 7,300 for, for Cater. The disrespect to Cater is, is pretty wide, but they are giving a ton of respect to Max Holloway. He's one of the best 145-pounders, if not the best 145-pounder ever. So, uh, you know, this is a very, very tough fight. Um, we can say that Max Holloway won his previous fight, I would say. I, I thought that's what happened. Um, it's a unique fight because Max Holloway, there was a, a point in time when we were all in the MMA industry worried about his health and safety because he has taken so many shots mm-hmm. over the course of, of, you know, past couple of years and how much damage that he has taken. This is not a fight where um, he needs to go out there and, and – uh, you know, stay in a phone booth with Calvin Cater, because if he does that, I'm afraid that Calvin Cater is going to get the better of him in the boxing exchanges. Now you have Max Holloway, who is a volume type of fighter. You know, you don't want, you know, to get, you know, behind on the scorecards. So Cater really needs to jump on Max Holloway, push him backwards and, you know, hit him with some clean counters 
and maybe start to utilize something else. Yeah. Uh, first off, you know, mentioning to the point that you mentioned with Max Holloway. So let's offensively for Max Holloway. So he has been in a title fight since 2017. Land 104 strikes against Jose Aldo in their first meeting, 174 strikes in their second meeting. Then against Brian Ortega, he landed 290 strikes, 181 against Dustin Poirier, 129 against Frankie Edgar, 134 in the first meeting against Volkanovski, 102 in the second meeting with Volkanovski. However, let's look at defensively. Against Alexander Volkanovski, landed 137 in the rematch, 157 in their first fight. Frankie Edgar landed 96. Dustin Poirier landed 178. Brian Ortega, I, I forgot about this number. He landed 110 strikes because I, when I think of that fight, I think of pure domination by Max Holloway. So he has taken a lot of strikes. But uh, we got Tyler producing here on the show, and uh, he's going to let you hear an interview that I had with Calvin Cater's coach, Tyson Chartier, and it's about three minute clip. Your three minute clip you're going to hear at uh, here in a momentarily. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is if you really listen closely, does Tyson Chardier maybe note that Calvin could go for takedowns here? That con- sports con- uh, consumer, this is a fight that everyone loves because they kind of they know that the style that Calvin brings, they know the style that Max brings. As you've prepared for Max, is there something that stuck out to you that maybe you had not realized in the past of watching him fight? Yeah, no, I did pick up on a few things that I see that are big holes in his games that he's had, even in his last fight that he had in, in his early UFC fights. You know, everybody's got holes, everybody's got tendencies, nobody's perfect. And now it's our job to uh, put ourselves in the spot in the sandbox where we can exploit those holes. And, um, you know, we got some things we're working on. And, and I think, you know, people are going to be pretty surprised in this fight. If, if all goes to plan, people are going to realize, you know, Calvin isn't just a boxer. And, um, I think they're going to see that, you know, he is the better fighter overall. I mean, when, you, when I think of Max Holloway, one of the things I think of is this is a guy that's going to be there from minute one to minute 24. You know, there, there's never this, I mean, and, you know, because I, I go back and, I, you know, when I look at the rematch that he had in his last fight, I thought he won the fight, personally. I don't know how the way you felt, but I thought he won the fight, and, and I thought he did make changes from the first fight, you know, where you saw how he, he does adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's an extremely, extremely high fight IQ. He's got a good team around him. He makes good decisions in fights overall. Um, you know, but nobody's perfect, you know, just like Calvin's not perfect. Yeah. Like it's now it's a, it's a chess match at this point. So we're going to see who can move their pieces into the right place to kill that queen and get the king. So, um, yeah, that's what we're doing now. We're just trying to, you know, play with that chessboard, mix things up and make sure that we're always on the offense. And, uh, I really think that Calvin matches up well with Max. I think a lot of people could argue, well, Max has the experience. Okay, well, they basically got the same number of fights. Um, Calvin, you know, Max gets the big fight experience. So, yeah, sure. Okay, so we'll last, this will be our third main event in a year. So, you know, we're not going to get overwhelmed because we're fighting Max Holloway. I mean, Calvin's mentally strong. It's not a big deal. We've been to Fight Island. We've never lost there. He's lost there. Um, you know, then they could say that he has the, the volume. You know, he always oh, brings a lot of volume. It's like, all right, well, he also gets hurt against power punchers, and you know you look at how he did against Dustin Poirier, and I could argue that we're just as much of a power puncher as Dustin is, and um, you know I think we have a similar skill set to Dustin. We probably have better wrestling, um, so I think you know we have the skills that match up well. It's just going to be a matter of not letting, you know, not going out there, not pulling the trigger. If Calvin goes out there and throws combos, I, I mean I think it's going to be a long night for Max Holloway. If Calvin goes out there and just sits back too much, that's where Max can gain momentum and, and play his game and dictate the pace and never get tired. But, you know, you stand in the middle of the cage and push Max backwards. He, he tends to struggle with that. And, um, you know, so does everybody else, though. So, A lot of interesting things that uh, Tyson said there. I, you know, I remember when I did that interview and we were recording it, my, my first initial thought was, okay, Calvin's got those combos. That, like that was the first thing that caught me. But then when I watched it a second and third time, I go, hold on. Did he just tell me Calvin might be going for some takedowns? 
Yeah, I think it's one of two things. And one of our uh, viewers is in the chat right now, Tajik Bay, talking about, you know, he's thinking it's leg kicks. I think leg kicks could definitely be a new uh, component and a, a part of the game plan that was used pretty effect- effectively against Max Holloway. But I will tell you that Calvin Cater does have very good wrestling and good jiu-jitsu. I've sparred Calvin Cater. He's very, very talented, all areas of his game. So uh, I think either one, I, I I would say let's implement them both. Let's give ourselves the best shot in the title fight. Oh, well, this is essentially, in my eyes, a title fight. But this is a you know the, the closest way you can get to um, Volkanovski. Yeah, I know that they're going to do a Volkanovski versus Ortega, uh, I believe, in February. Uh, so for some reason, you know, maybe Ortega doesn't make it there. One of these guys could easily step in there. I mean, look, on, on DraftKings, I think Calvin is a great punt play. And even if he's unable to get a victory, I think this fight's going 25 minutes. You know, overall on FanDuel, obviously you got to pay a little bit more for Calvin, you know, and obviously Max is one of the top ones there. But I think overall both of these guys are are good plays on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not avoiding Max Holloway at all. Um, I think the only thing that might make me take a slighter underweight approach to him is just the price tag of 8900 to 7300 I think it's a, a, a really close fight. I think that's a little too wide for my liking. Um, but I'm getting behind uh, more more so Calvin Cater at 7300 I need a value play, five rounds. Um, I know what he's capable of. I know what power he possesses. I can expect him to hurt Max Holloway. Not sure if he's going to finish Max Holloway, but I'm pretty sure that he can match him anywhere, uh, if not excel in certain areas. So um, maybe it's my hometown bias, Jason, but I'm, I'm siding Calvin Cater in uh, GPPs. I'm splitting my exposure for sure. It's like a 60-40 for me, but I think that you're probably going to need this fight. Yeah, I think it's definitely a fight that you got to have. Of course, if you want to get a, a view of what the ownership projections are for this fight, you got to sign up for an Oswald Plus weekly pass, right? You get that right now for $29.95. You can just go to awesomeo.com right there at the top hand side of the screen. Sign up for an Oswald Plus membership. And we got a great promo going on right now for our NHL weekly pass. Get it for only $3 when you use that promo code Gretzky. You see it right there at the bottom of the screen. Also, it is in the YouTube chat. So be sure, sign up today. All the great content, all the tools and content that have made Alex Osmo Baker the number one DFS player in the world is tools that me and Pete use all the time. I'm always, you got to you got to pay attention to those ownership because you know what? There might be someone. You might be able to find a little value there. You can see it there on the screen uh, where you can sign up there over at awesomeo.com. Great tools and contents. I got. I know. I got to put my pro plays in tonight, so I'm going to be working on that after the show. I like to do those after I talk to Pete because sometimes Pete has a way to change my mind on some things. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I respect your opinion on a bunch of these fights. Uh, you know, um, I'm excited for this co-main event. I don't know how many people are excited for this co-main event we're about to get into, but uh, natural born killer Carlos Condit, one of my favorite fighters, and uh, I cannot wait. So I will tell you, I was watching all of the pre-fight scrums uh, earlier today, and Matt Brown is basically, you know, talking about how you know he, you know, obviously, you know, just like every fighter, they're very confident heading into a fight, and so the reporters asked Carlos Condit about this, and Carlos Condit, you could tell he didn't like what they were saying to him, and he goes, "I'm gonna f him up." Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, you guys know by now, you've tuned into this show for a while. I'm a WEC guy. Carlos Conda is like a childhood hero of mine. I don't even know if childhood is the right term, but like since I was like 15, 16, I've been watching him. So I love Carlos Conda. I'm excited for this. I think that he matches up really well against Matt Brown. You have two veterans here. Um, you know, Carlos Conda, he, he's getting up there in age, but Matt Brown actually just turned 40 the other day. So you know, Matt Brown, in, they both had, you know, struggles recently in their past five fights. But I do think that Carlos Condit's a bad matchup for Matt Brown, who, you know, at this point in his career, can't really take a shot to the head, can't really take a shot to the body, gets submitted a ton. Um, the one worry with Carlos Condit is if somebody implements a, a grappling heavy, you know, approach. But I don't really foresee Matt Brown doing that. You know, when you look at the salaries for this one, uh, I think the FanDuel salary for Carlos Condit sticks out to me at $16, $14 for Matt Brown over on DK, $8,700 for Carlos Condit 
Uh, 7,500 for it, Matt Brown. You know, you mentioned about Matt's last fight, the loss against Miguel Baeza, where it was a situation where speed was obviously the clear factor in that one. And, you know, this is a, a fight that I don't think I feel comfortable. I, I, I can't see myself having, maybe I'll have 10% shares of Matt Brown. Um, you know, probably, I'm definitely going to have more shares of Carlos Conner on FanDuel than, than I will on uh on DraftKings, but also uh, in that Carlos Condit pre-fight scrum that uh, earlier uh, it was here today or yesterday, you know, based on time, you know, change, you know time uh, difference between here and Abu Dhabi. Uh, Carlos Condit did admit this is his last fight on his UFC deal. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, I think that if Matt Brown loses, we will see Matt Brown retire. I just think that he kind of seems like he has one foot out the door a little bit. It's already, I don't like it when fighters are kind of talking about post-life stuff and I get it. We're human beings, but it's kind of a distraction to be honest. I want a guy who's laser focused and is, you know, has like killer instincts still. I can actually give Matt Brown some props if I'm looking at my takedown city chart, which actually surprised me. Matt Brown in his UFC career has landed 25 takedowns, Jason. Now he has a ton of fights. So that's a 0.96 rate um, of a takedown per fight. Um, but the, the one thing about Carlos Condit that is a gaping hole, in my opinion, is his takedown defense. So that can start to, that can play into this fight if Matt Brown, for some reason, decides to be a wrestler. Uh, Carlos Condit has been taken down 55 times in his UFC career which is absolutely insane. That's about three per fight. That's pretty crazy, Jason. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that, you know, when you listen to Matt, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he's talking about already about being a coach, wants to help out younger fighters. But these are both older fighters who, I mean, look, they're not going the hard training anymore. I mean, I, I just, you know, I do like Carlos Conn in this one, but if Matt Brown gets it done, do you believe it's because of takedowns and potentially a submission? Yeah, I I really do not see um, Matt Brown knocking out Carlos Condit. I mean, you have two fighters with some of the best elbows in the game. Carlos Condit throws elbows in combination. So you kind of really don't – he blends them so well with his coach. Uh, Matt Brown has a, you know great elbows as well and really throws them with more power than anything. But I do think that Carlos Condit's a bad matchup for Matt Brown – if Matt Brown wins this fight, I think it's just by somehow getting Carlos Condit down repeatedly. But let's be clear here, Jason. Carlos Condit has a ton of submission victories. Like between the two of these guys, Condit has a 90% finish rate out of 31 victories, okay? And Matt Brown has a 91% finish rate out of 22 victories. I know you're a little hesitant to pull the trigger on this fight, Jason, but I might hammer it, man. I really might. I, I don't know about hammering it. I, okay, so I'm going to bring up my favorite stat of the week. Okay, you know what here. that is. Carlos Khan is looking to get back-to-back victories for the first time since 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my Bro, gosh. it's 2021. Ugh. Okay, well, um, I don't know. I, don't know I, I left you speechless. I don't know how to respond to that. It's pretty crazy, but... <laughs> I will say that Matt Brown really hasn't been much better. Um, you know, they've yeah. been inconsistent. If I told you right now to our audience, who has the better UFC record in the UFC, obviously, Carlos Condor or Matt Brown, I think just instinctively we think Carlos Condor. It's not the case. I would, I, would, I mean, I, I would, honestly, I would, you know, I think the thing you would point to is Carlos Condor was an interim welterweight champion. Matt Brown never got to that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, Carlos Condit in the UFC, Jason, was 8-9. and nine. Uh, Matt Brown's 15-11. and 11. So it's just crazy because we think about think about how Carlos Condit was head-kicking GSP and, and you know, he, his win over Nick Diaz. And, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, this is just one of those fights that, you know, I, I don't feel good either way because, I mean, I mean, look, I, I think when you see the way Matt Brown fights, you, you don't really see it going 15 minutes, but I, I could very well see this one going 15 minutes. Uh, let, let's move on. We do got a lot of fights to get to here. We got uh, the return of Santiago Ponzanibio taking on Lee Jialing. Uh Ponzanibio we have not seen since the end of 2018, and his price on DK definitely stuck out to me. 9300 on this one. 
Uh, this is uh, first fight since November 17, 2018. Had that win against Neil Magny. He's had a lot of things, a lot of health issues. Of There was a point that there was looking like he may never fight again because of those health issues. Uh, and, and Lee Jia Ling, he is coming off that decision loss uh, against Neil Magny back in March, unable to fight. And that fight was actually before before COVID, before everything went went shut down here in the United States. Uh, obviously, living in China, he could not fight all of 2020, so he's in this spot. Um, the $9,300 price tag on DraftKings, $23 on FanDuel. What's your thoughts about Santiago in this spot? Well, I will say I absolutely love this fight. And, uh, you know, what a return for Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, this is not a tune-up fight by any means. I don't think that this is an easy fight, okay, against uh, Jing Liang. I think Jing Liang uh, is dangerous in multiple facets of the game. Uh, Jing Liang has power in his hands, um, can mix in takedowns to win rounds. Um, he's very tough, has some pretty impressive wins on his resume. If you go back and you look at it, Santiago Ponzinibbio, though, should be a step ahead in the striking if he's himself. Now, that's the X factor in this situation, right? Because we have Ponzinibbio being priced like he's himself, not coming off of a two-year layoff, not coming off of an infection and other injuries. So, you know, he's already priced up. I think that Jing Liang is a nice value play for GPPs. However, from a technical aspect, I will say Ponzinibbio holds plenty of advantages in this fight. He's the faster of the two. He's the, the more clean, uh, you know, precise striker, uh, puts together combinations like incredible. Like I, I really feel like um, he could go out there and put it, make a statement and just show everybody like, you guys might have forgot who I am and I'm here to stay. But I can't ignore the X factors I talked about. Jing Liang at sixty nine hundred and the nine dollars, like GPP. I'm totally targeting him and, and adding him in as a long shot. I don't think he's a bad cash play either. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, he, the one, it, it, like it, what, either slate, either six nine hundred DK or nine dollars on Fanduel. If he can somehow make this a fifteen minute fight, rack up some points with with his strikes. You're going to be able to get to those high price fires you want to get to, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a pay down spot, and it allows you to pay up in other areas. And you know that strategy of uh, stars and scrubs. <laughs> if you've been playing NBA DFS, we've been doing that the past like four four days. It's pretty annoying, but it's effective. Um, I will say that um, ring rust is real, and when you haven't been under the lights at the highest level. Um, it's hard to come back in and compete against somebody who is, you know, your equal. You know what I mean? It, it takes, like, by right, Ponzinibbio should be getting a tune-up fight. But his pride's kind of getting in the way of saying, you know, I'm just as talented. I was just hurt. But, you know, Jing Liang hasn't been active because of COVID. You know what I mean? This is this is the world we're living in today. I will be targeting Ponzinibbio at 9,300. I think that he holds plenty of advantages. But at 6,900, I can't ignore Jing Liang's a long shot. I'm just, I'm going to have to mark this tape of you saying that Cage Rust is real. Because when we get your next fight booked, I'm going to ask that question. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> your, your, your short-term memory apparently is, uh, has gone away. You don't remember what you said two minutes ago. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, Santiago. You, you think about when he beat Neil Magny. This was a guy that was probably looking at, a, you know, he was supposed to face. I believe it was Robbie Lawler at that time. I mean, he was putting himself in a right there, a win away from a title shot. So, I mean, I do think in the way the UFC is setting this up in a little bit of, of a way to, you know, get him back in there. And he's already mentioned that he does do want, want to have a quick turnaround. In terms of you know getting a win here, then trying to maybe get a fight here pretty soon. So we'll see what happens there. Next up, we got a middleweight matchup: Joaquin Buckley taking on Alessio DiCherico. Joaquin Buckley ninety four hundred on DK, twenty two dollars on Fanduel. On the other side, DiCherico sixty eight hundred eight dollars on Fanduel. Uh, you know, listen to both of these guys. Uh, it seems like everyone just wants to ask Joaquin Buckley about James Kraus uh, and why that fight hasn't happened. James has had a knee injury. Um, James has actually asked for the fight. UFC just hasn't granted it. Um, you know, and DeCherico, he really, he didn't really say much about Buckley today when he talked to the media. 
uh, talked a little bit about Kevin Holland, how he doesn't like Kevin Holland. But, uh, you know, I think the thing with Buckley, I mean, obviously he became a viral sensation last year, you know, getting that, that spinning kick knockout. Then he's coming off a, a good win against Jordan Wright. You know, I was going back and watching that Jordan Wright fight. I think the one thing that kind of stuck out to me is he did not go balls to the wall right from the start. It, it seemed like he was very patient, waiting for things to happen. And I do wonder with Cherico in this fight, how much of his game plan might be, let me try to wear down Buckley. Let me try to get this fight to the third round to see if that gas tank is there. Yeah, you know, and let me just say, the hype is real, folks. Joaquin Buckley can fight. Joaquin Buckley's here to stay. And the UFC recognizes his talent. Uh, You have um, a great rebound from a Kevin Holland loss. He, He took the fight on short notice, stepped up suffer the defeat, and bounce back in probably the best way you can with two viral knockouts. Um, I think that the UFC is really teeing up, uh, I mean, Joaquin Buckley for another win here. I think that they're trying to match him, you know, correctly and and slowly build him. And uh, whether it's the UFC trying to do that or it's Joaquin Buckley's management, I think they're taking the slow approach and being more methodical in his fights, making adjustments like you spoke of, is very important because once you start to break into that top 15 in the UFC, you're making mistakes. People are capitalizing, you're losing it and getting bounced out of the rankings. So you need to make sure that you're not being reckless, that you're being methodical. You're, you're fighting for 15 minutes and not just one minute. Um, I do think that, you know, Joaquin Buckley has some, you know, significant advantages in this fight has the volume edge, for being a big guy, he has pretty surprising cardio. doesn't get fatigued too often, which I, I find that quite fascinating. Um, on the regional scene, I fought on the same card that Joaquin Buckley fought for for, uh, for Bellator. I will say that um, Buckley wasn't this striker that he has turned into now. Joaquin Buckley was taking people down and, and just out-muscling people. So it's kind of neat to see him transform into the fighter that – Neither one of us really expected, but I, I can't ignore it, man. I mean, this breakout is real, um, and I think that he's going to get another victory here. I think DeKiriko is dangerous, but he's not a specialist. He's kind of just okay in every department. 6,800, if you're really looking and think that he can derail the hype train, you know, he's a tough fight. It's not an easy fight by any means, but I just think that Buckley's going to be a step ahead from bell to bell. You know, when he was in Bellator that you mentioned about, he was fighting at 170, and he was a fight that was it was going all 15 minutes, you know. So uh, this, you know, and, and you know this as, you know, fires evolve, and now he's at 185, and, and he's put on some great, you know, great performances here. Uh, Jericho, look, he's got to win. He's lost three in a row. Um, but to me, I, I think in, in terms of your DFS roster, to me it's just a matter of how much do you want to pay. Are you, are you willing to pay up? Because, you know, this isn't, you know, I mean, yes, you think of the knockouts, but both of his knockouts in the UFC have come in the second round. So I think the thing has got to be is, you know, what what is at 9,400 on DK, how many points has he got to score for you to say that was a good play for me? Yeah, I think it's got to be over 100. I, I You know, obviously, I, I really do. Um, I think that... There are easier matchups to target on this fight uh, fight card. I think that Buckley gets a win. I just don't know if it's like an optimal win. So, yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, then our their opening fight, of the main card. By the way, main card 3 p.m. Eastern time on ABC Live Before Lock on Saturday will be at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll be a uh, I'll be doing the back to back shows. I'll be doing the NBA strategy show, and then I'll be hopping over to do the MMA show with with Pete to get you ready for Saturday's UFC card. But uh, an interesting matchup to kick off the main card of Punaheli Soriano taking on Dusko. And, and it was interesting listening to Dusko talk about this, where he even said, he goes, he was surprised that they would put two undefeated fighters against each other. But I thought it was very interesting that he said, he goes, you know, look, he goes, our strengths and weaknesses or question marks, they kind of match up against each other. Yeah, I will say that it's quite odd that the UFC is pairing two prospects, in my opinion, up against one another. I don't really like that because um, you might shatter one's confidence. You might derail one's career. Like they can meet up, you know, further along the road. Like, you know, I will say Soriano's 1-0, Todorovic is 1-0 in the UFC. Like, what are we doing here? 
But regardless, they're matched up against one another. Um, I will say Todorovich, he's one of the most well-rounded young fighters in the game. I, I can honestly say that. He has pretty impressive striking combinations, puts together good combinations, mixes in a suffocating ground game, uh, you know, great wrestling, strong jujitsu, good ground and pound. Doesn't seem weak in too many areas other than his striking defense. Um, I think that's what Punahele Soriano needs to take advantage of is these small lapses where, you know, Todorovic is kind of, you know, being lackadaisical on the feet um, and catching with a big shot. Uh, Soriano has some impressive power as well and does have some submission wins. But I just feel like Todorovic is a nice play here, Jason. Um, Todorovic can get cracked and get hurt and get knocked out by Soriano. So this is definitely a fight I will target both sides on. But I am favoring Todorovic at 8,500 because he has more ways to win here. I think that he's the stronger of the two, can take down Soriano if things get sticky. So, uh, yeah, it's Todorovic for me. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this fight. Cardio is my concern with with Soriano. Is if this fight does make it to you know late second, early third, of what would that look like? But I mean, look, this guy's a power puncher, so that that is part of it. But yeah, I agree with you. With Dusko is kind of the guy that I prefer uh, in this matchup. Of course, if you ever want to talk the fight game with myself and Pete, and you're a member at awesomeo.com, that gets you access to our premium Slack channel. Pete's been in there all day, so you ever got a question there? Do try to get in there on uh, Saturday mornings of fight day, Saturday afternoons, just depending on when we do a show, because well, me and Pete are going to be all over Osmo the next couple of days as, of course, we got the fights on Saturday. Then we got the fights next Wednesday morning time. By the way, I don't know if Pete realized this. We got a uh, Live Before Lock next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, Pete, I'm up that early, so it doesn't really matter. But, uh, but yeah, we, we've got uh, three UFC fight cards over the next week. So, uh, looking forward to that. So, we'll be all in our premium Slack channel. That is one of the great benefits of being an Also Plus member is the fact that you get access to our premium Slack account. Whether it's not just MMA, but, you know, maybe you want to hop in there. And, uh, you know, Josh is always in there, especially on the NBA channel, talk about NBA. So that is a great benefit we have over there at Osmo.com. Of course, uh, sign, uh, sign up today for an Osmo account, Osmo.com slash join. Or also go to Osmo.com slash promos and see all the active promos there. You see it right there on the screen. Get an NHL weekly pass for $3 right now using promo code Gretzky. Or if you want to get access to all of the sports, twenty nine ninety five. So you got to check that out over there at awesomeo.com. Uh When me and Pete were talking earlier this week, actually, I think it was yesterday, and Pete goes, there's three fights that I think the salaries are interesting on. We talked about one of them with Ponzinibbio. The other one and is Phil Hawes, 8,800 on DK. Yeah, I mean, Phil Hawes, I love Phil Hawes. So I'm going to be backing him in this fight, but this fight is a lot closer, and I expected the salaries to be a lot more competitive than what they're appearing. 8,800 for Phil Hawes um, against uh, Nasruddin Imavov at 7,400. It's pretty wide, and I think it's a closer fight than that because we have seen Phil Hawes struggle on his way up to the UFC. Uh, He's kind of fell short in several ways. I mean, he's been caught by a big shot and submitted in the past. He's also been uh, knocked out pretty brutally. Um, So he's had to rebound from those. So I'm happy he's in the UFC. This is another head scratcher where I'm sitting here saying, you have two talented fighters that – have promising careers. Why are we matching them up so early? Because you're going to lose one of them and it could potentially negatively affect them for the rest of their career. Um, Regardless, Phil Hawes has a very, very decorated uh, wrestling pedigree, Um, incredible wrestler, but you're probably known, you know, he's known for impressive striking, good knockout ability, um, just puts pressure on you. Imovov can strike pretty well, has good hands, good counter striker, but he, he's good at grappling as well and hunting for submissions, something that Phil Hawes has struggled with, leaving that neck out there. So it's a close fight, and I think that the salary should be a lot closer. In my opinion, I feel like the Phil Hawes of now and the Phil Hawes of new has made adjustments to his game. He's part of a great, great team that I really think is great over at Sanford MMA. Um, so I'm interested to see your take on this fight. 
Yeah, this is one of those ones as I'm looking at underdogs, I do kind of like the underdog here a little bit. I, I think that, look, I, you know, I would definitely have shares uh, of Phil Hawes, but uh, Imov is a guy that I think you do have to look at when you're looking at trying to find some value plays throughout this card. A 7400 on DK, $14 on FanDuel. I think there is some value there. But, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, you are taking underdog in that spot, so... Um, you know, you know, Phil Halls, he had that quick knockout in his UFC debut. How does he come back? And of course, on the other side, uh, you know, Imovov got that win against Jordan Williams. So we'll see what happens there. Then we got a female matchup. Wu went on, taking on Jocelyn Edwards, 8,400 for Yanan, 7,800 for her opponent, 19 and 11 on FanDuel. When I was looking at Edwards, and of course, this is her UFC debut, the thing that did stick out to me is strength of schedule on the regional scene. Her her best opponent by far is Sarah Alpar, which she lost a decision in LFA. But when you look at everyone else on that, there really there was not a notable opponent that she had fought uh, on the regional scene. Yeah, I think that strength of schedule will slightly favor Wu Yanan. But if you look at Yanan's strength of schedule as well, her competition, it's nothing really impressive at all. Um, obviously, Jocelyn Edwards making her UFC debut. So that's a big deal. And if people are trying to downplay that, let me tell you, it's a big deal when you get a call from a big promotion and you're stepping up, especially on a card like this on Fight Island. I mean, are you kidding me? But from what I have seen from Jocelyn Edwards, limited tape, she's tough to really study, but I did find plenty of stuff. Seems really old, the fight footage that I found. Um, I did find her most recent fight, and she looked like she has really transformed into a pretty well-rounded fighter. Uh, early indications were that she was training in judo. So she likes to throw her opponent with a lot of head and arm throws, which is a very common technique in women's MMA. Uh, you'll see that in those divisions more you know, in, than any other divisions. Uh, Jocelyn Edwards really uh, started to implement some nice jujitsu as well. She attacks a lot. And I like a fighter that's hunting the finish, trying to get it over quickly on the feet, overwhelming pressure, long strikes, Good body kicks, good knees. Um, I think that Wu Yanan is a good good striker, but I think that she could honestly be in a tough fight here against the newcomer in Jocelyn Edwards. Like, I don't – you know me, Jason. I usually take a wait-and-see approach to fighters making their UFC debut, but 7,800 for Jocelyn Edwards. From what I'm seeing on tape, she should be the longer of the two. She should have the pressure and the uh, aggressive – style that could cause Yanan some problems. I'm somewhat interested in Edwards at 7,800. Let me throw out some uh, betting prop bets for you, of course. So you can go over to Osmo.com, Odd Shopper, to check out the betting lines for this one. Fight goes to decision, minus 240. Edwards wins by TKOKO, plus 525. Yanan wins by TKOKO, plus 905. Edwards wins by submission plus 850. Yanan wins by submission plus 775. Pete, what's that tell you about what the Ossmakers think? Oh, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> I will say that if um, we were talking about those prop bets um, and you're trying to look back at their careers, Yanan has been knocked out in the past and Edwards has been submitted in the past. So that's something to note. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, you know, we always talk about it. The, you know, the odds are. Uh, a female fight statistically does uh, it's around 60% a chance that it's going to go to the decision. So something to pay attention to when you're, you're developing your lineups, so whether it's on DraftKings or on FanDuel, then we got a heavyweight matchup, Carlos Felipe taking on Justin Taffa. This is, I, I guess my question about Justin Taffa. If he can't get the knockout in the first round, how does this fight look? Yeah, I think it's ugly. I think it's ugly for Justin Taffa if he can't get it done early because um, from what I've seen, and it's limited footage because a lot of his fights end early, uh, that, you know, he will be behind Carlos Felipe in the cardio and the pace department. I think that Carlos Felipe is one of these guys that is pretty impressive for the division. And, you know, I called that last fight, um, and I liked him in that spot and, uh, he came through and I really think that, for the heavyweight division, he doesn't discriminate where he's going to punch you. And I think that's pretty impressive. Like he will attack the body and a lot of people are just headhunt. When you have a fighter that's so knowledgeable to go to the body, as simple as it sounds 
it makes striking and everything so much easier. I think Carlos Felipe's in for a nice fight here. Justin Toff is going to bring it, but he's going to be reckless. The more measured and the uh, more polished of the two is definitely Carlos Felipe. Justin Taffa is, is a GPP round one type of guy that can give you that Francis Ngannou bonus, Jason. But I'm not chasing it. I, I have to side with the guy who has better cardio and better defensive tendencies. I like Carlos Felipe a decent bit, despite the 8600 price tag. Yeah, it's uh, Carlos Felipe. He's uh, He's got a big body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, this is one of those fights I, I think that you, you do have to be looking at. Um, you know, a little expensive uh, for Felipe on Fando, I think, at, at $20. But uh, that's where I think you have to use the ownership and, and see where ownership kind of goes with this fight. And, and obviously, if Justin Taffa wins, it's going to be by knockout. This is, I mean, he's a kickboxer. This is what he does. So I think that's something you got to pay attention to, too. Of course, I appreciate everyone that's here on a Thursday night. Watch us live on the Osmo YouTube channel. Of course, be sure to smash that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. We're trying to get to over 50,000 subscribers. We're getting there. So if you're not subscribed to Osmo, be sure to smash that button. Of course, we'll have you uh, shows all day long tomorrow. The first show starting at 9 a.m. with the betting show. And, of course, getting you ready for all the NBA, NHL, and, of course, the NFL playoffs are back on Saturday. It'll be a long night on Sunday night for me since the Bucks don't play until 640. So uh, I think I'll probably get home about uh, 1 a.m. on a Sunday night. Yeah, I'm rooting for you guys. I hope you guys- hopefully, hopefully celebrating a victory. Hopefully yeah, celebrating. I hope so. Yeah, so but uh, let's get uh, back to the fights here. We got David Zawada taking on Razam Amiv. Amiv, 9,200. This is a, a fight that, uh, you know, as I was pulling up some stats on this one, uh, you know, the one thing that does kind of uh, concern you about Amiv, uh, yes, he is 4-1 in the UFC, but all those fights have gone to a decision. Yeah, he's not a DFS-friendly type of fighter. So uh, Hamazan Amiv here at 9,200, it's pretty interesting that he's priced up so much and that they're really not giving a lot of respect to uh, David Zavada here. I, I think that Hamazan Amiv is a very high-level fighter. Um, good striking, you know, very basic striking. So, I mean, it's it's super basic, but it works for him. Um, lackadaisical type of approach, doesn't really throw high volume. So if a guy or a fighter implements a pressure style against him, you could be behind on the scorecards. But Amiv does have some really good wrestling to rely on, and that's how he really solidifies rounds, Jason. Um David Zavada, though, is very, very dangerous. And I don't think too many people are really giving him a shot in this fight. I kind of like Zavada, truthfully. I really do. Now, I understand that Zavada has a big, big hole in the wrestling department. That is obvious. But off of his back, he does have some impressive submissions. He will constantly hunt submissions. He has a very, very good triangle. Um, has some pretty good wins and is no, no stranger to being the underdog. On the feet, though, is where I think it can get interesting for him. I think that if he is just able to outwork Amiv, defend some takedowns, I think he can honestly hurt Rock, potentially finish Amiv. Now, I know this is extremely bold because Amiv's a good fighter. He's a high-level fighter. But if you look at David Zabata, his strength of schedule is pretty, pretty good. They, they kind of match up pretty well. So... I think this fight is a lot closer than the than the DraftKings salary say, a lot closer than the odds say. Amiv should win the fight, but I, I'm taking David Zavada as a value play on, on some of my lineups. I like him quite a bit. All right, so let's bring up the new DraftKings scoring system. Yeah. So Amiv in his last fight, he only had 29 significant strikes landed. 67 total strikes. Four of 12 takedowns. So that could be said, no, on the FanDuel side of the thing, maybe if you, if you want to go with, with Zawada for takedown uh, defenses. But in that fight against Stolze, he had six minutes and 50 seconds of control time. Yeah, it's a great and that, is, and that is now a new scoring system on, on DraftKings where you get .03 points per second of control time. I love the point, Jason. That's why uh, that's why you're you know we're doing this show together. It's a great point. I do think that despite Amiv's you know low volume and kind of lazy type of style, this new scoring system could benefit some uh, some blanket type of fighters that really just take you down and just hold you. Um, I will say that 
David Zavada will be able to work back up to his feet a little bit better than Amaya's uh, previous opponent. And if he's not working up to his feet, he's hunting for submissions off of his back. So it's a good point. Um, obviously, we'll have to see how this new scoring affects all of these fights. Uh, one of the things in chat I'll just kind of mention here, uh, Matt saying the UFC char fight set to leave Vegas tomorrow. Fight on just got delayed 24 hours. No shot. A Saturday fighters are affected by that fight. No, all those, all the fighters are already in the fighters that are on that charter flight are the ones that are fighting next Saturday. Yeah. So all the fighters that are fighting on Saturday and Wednesday, they are already in Abu Dhabi. Uh, actually the fighters who are fighting on Saturday and Wednesday fighters who are fighting on Saturday will not leave Abu Dhabi till after the Wednesday card. So all those fighters will all be on the same flight back. Nice. That's interesting. Saving money. <laughs> Look, so, you know, this is what you come here for. Sometimes yeah. I get useless, useless information. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a charter flight. Charter flights are really nice. I'm just going to tell you that. As <laughs> someone who's been on a lot of charter flights in his life. Uh, next up, we got Sarah Morris taking on Vanessa Mello, 9100 for Morris, 7100 for Mello, $20 for, for Sarah on FanDuel, $8 for Mello. I have no interest in this one. <laughs> so you've got one fighter who is six and six. The other fighter is 10 and eight. Mello's 0 3 in the UFC, all of her losses might be a decision. Uh, and, and Sarah Morris, three and five in the UFC. She's coming off a decision loss against Sajar Eubanks. I don't know how, man. I, I mean, I, I guess you can potentially play the ownership game here with Sarah Morris, but I'm not interested. Yeah, l- let me say that uh, it's not the best fight, but I will be targeting it. I'll be targeting all the fights, obviously, because I want to you know, try to just really see how this new scoring affects everything. I think that this could be an interesting spot. Now, the price tag on Morris at ninety one hundred, they're out of their mind. Um, that's a little too a little too high um, for her style. She doesn't throw a lot on the feet, but she has pretty pretty good takedowns, and I think that's her path to victory in this fight against Vanessa Mello. Because if she stands up with Vanessa Mello, she's probably going to be behind on the scorecard. She'll be behind on the volume of strikes. Um, so she needs to take, you know, chain together some takedowns and really, you know, lace that leg and work towards a takedown. And we have seen Vanessa Mello struggle defending takedowns. She's been taken down a decent, a decent amount. And if you, especially if you watch fight film on her, I have a feeling that Vanessa Mello pulls this one out, man. I really do. I, I think that she's going to potentially, as long as she can keep it on the feet, like she's probably going to get taken down, but if she can get back to her feet, or prevent just one takedown, make Sarah Morris a little bit fatigued, start to beat her up, beat her up on the feet. I don't think Morris can really hang on the feet. I, I think that Mello's nothing special, but we'll have the volume edge. The total strikes will probably benefit us in this bout because I don't know how many is going to be significant, but it's an interesting spot. Seventy one hundred. I'm okay with rostering it in a few in a few lineups. 9,100, she can work a takedown, possibly work towards a submission. But, uh, man, that's that's just a hefty price tag. I'd rather spend it elsewhere. No, yeah. It's a very hefty price tag that you got to pay, of course. Uh, this is the MMA DFS Strategy Show right here at awesomeo.com. Now, if you ever uh, cannot watch our shows live on YouTube, you want to get it on the go, you got to sign up for the podcast. I'm part of the Awesomeo Podcast Network. Every show we have is on the Awesomeo Podcast Network. You can get all in one feed, all the shows we have, or if you just want, say you just want the MMA show, we've got the awesome MMA uh, podcast there. So check that out. The strategy show is a part of it. And uh, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review for your chance to win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Just go to awesome.com slash podcast at five-star rating review. That does help me and Pete out a lot and the entire team here at awesome.com. Now our, our first fight of the night, is going to be Austin Lingo and Jacob Kilborn. Okay, I'm just going to say this. Tell me how Jacob Kilborn gets it done. I'm surprisingly, you know, interested in this fight, and I'm kind of excited for this fight. And I will say that, you know, both men are a lot better than what they've shown in their debuts. I think that, you know, Lingo had a tough task, and so did Kilburn, and Kilburn really hasn't shown the UFC what he could do, even if you go back to the contender series. But, you know, 
Austin Lingers, Austin Lingo is a, a big power puncher, um, has good hands, really, really, uh, throws an overhand kind of like chuckle Dell. Like it's really, really good. Uh, Jacob Kilburn though, if you go back and you look at his regional tape, he has some impressive knockout power and knockout ability, uh, good karate background mixes in some kicks, surprising boxing. So I think you need this fight, Jason. I think like avoiding this fight, you could be on the outside looking in because I, I don't see this one going the distance. I think Austin Lingo either catches Kilburn on the chin with an overhand and it's over early, giving you that Francis Ngannou bonus or Kilburn really wears down Lingo with a ton of kicks. Um, because, you know, when you're facing a boxer and you start kicking them, it really throws a lot of people off. Now, when it comes to jujitsu and wrestling, Lingo will have the edge in that department, but it is very, very slight. Two good camps here, Fortis MMA, American Top Team. I'm interested to see how it goes. I think both men will be prepared. I think it will be a good bout. I'm, I'm hammering this fight, Jason. Yeah, I mean, look, Austin Lingo was a guy that everyone was so high of, comes into UFC and you know loses Yusuf Salal. Yusuf Salal used the foot movement to work around. I mean, that's that's obviously is a concern, but I, I just think this is a good matchup for Austin Lingo. I do like him in this spot. But, yeah, you got to pay 9000 for him on DK, so it is a little pricey there. Of course, if you do have any questions, start lining those up right now, whether it's in our premium Slack channel or in YouTube. But uh, before we get to those, let's get into our fight picks. Let's start. Let's go bottom to the top. Uh, give me Austin Lingo. Lingo. This is a fight that I don't know who the pick, so I guess I'm going to go Sarah Morris. Okay, I'm going to go Mellow. Uh, Ameev and Zawada. Give me Zawada for the upset. Oh, I'm going to go Ameev. Uh, Felipe and Tafa. Felipe. Um, I am with you on that one. Yanan and Edwards. Edwards for me. I like Yanan there. Uh, I'm an off and Hawes. Hawes for me. I'm of off. I'm going to go the upset there. He's a good value. Uh, I like it. Dusko and Soriano. Dusko. I agree with you there. Buckley. I'm, I'm imagine you go Buckley as well. Yeah. Ponzinibbio versus Jaleen. Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio. By the way, let me just say, these are straight-up fight picks, not DFS-related. Correct. Let me just say that. Uh, Carlos Condit, Matt Brown. Condit. Times a million. I'm going to go Condit as well. Main event, Max Holloway, Calvin Cater. I'm going biased opinion, Calvin Cater. I I thought you were going against the New England cartel, Mike. You're not going to be able to show your face in the Northeast. Uh, No, no, no. I'm I'm going Calvin Cater. I will tell you this, um, you know, I'm probably going more with uh, my heart here, but uh, give me Calvin Cater. I've uh, known Calvin for, for a while. Some people may not know, Calvin Cater is actually a fight promoter, owns mm-hmm. a combat zone up in the Northeast, so uh, something to note there. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a really good fight. I mean, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing kind of how that one does play out. Uh, Dexter says, how do you feel about the weed news for USADA, Pete, big time? Here, here's what I'll say. While it's not a violation with USADA and the UFC, it's going to come down to a state athletic commission whether they're going to change their policy as well on that one. So, yep. So another battle. Hey, it, it, that's what it is. Uh, my uh, Miles says, Pete, how crucial is your Takedown City article going to be for fan duel players? I think it's good if you um, can see how many, fi- how many uh, takedowns a fighter is attempting. And then if you, you know, combine that with some film study or you check out, you know, their opponents take down defensive rating. I mean, that's, that's what you want on FanDuel is defending takedowns. You get the bonus points. So uh, if you have a guy, say you're fighting Habib and you have, I don't know, let's say George St. Pierre who has amazing takedown defense, you know, in that situation, maybe you want to target George St. Pierre. Uh, Woody over in Slack says, did not realize Wednesday fights were during the day, not a happy camper. Uh, yeah, early, early day. 9, a, 9 a.m. is uh, lock time on Wednesday. Uh, also says, uh, as of now, uh, this is for you, Pete. He goes, are there any fighters that we are Xing off? Well, I will say for me. Uh, okay, I think I'll say I that one, it'd be Matt Brown, truthfully. Uh, in terms of GPP, I do not like the female fights in terms of GPP. Yeah. Cash is, is a little bit of a different story. 
Total strikes could help, though, in this situation, though, because we are so accustomed to significant strikes, which is somewhat biased with strike uh, fight metrics. So, you know, if a fight stays on the feet, say the Morris and Mello or Edwards and Yanan could be looking at a high total phone booth, phone booth type of fight. Yeah. Uh, someone says, is Connor fighting? Connor is fighting next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yeah. Apparently it's uh, trending pretty well there. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Miles, appreciate the uh, comment. Yeah, we're gonna, uh, we are going to start incorporating more of, uh, you know, when we have, you know, I talk to fires and coaches. We are going to incorporate that as a show uh, does go on. Um, Garrett says, Pete, I've been waiting three weeks to hear your lock of the night. <laughs> you guys know I don't say lock of the night, but I will say a fighter I really, really, really like just to win the fights, Carlos Condit. Oof, man, you you think Matt Brown's going to beat Carlos Condit? I just don't feel comfortable with that fight. Okay, what have you seen out of Carlos Condit the last nine years to give you confidence? I've seen a lot of in in the training room, truthfully. So I, I know what I know what Condit's capable of, and I know what he does to guys in the training room. Matt Brown's going bye bye. Look, I, I think Carlos Condit's the right way to go. I yeah. just don't. I just don't feel comfortable. Like if you told me I had to say that L word, let me hear it. Guys, it's two. I've got two fighters. <laughs> let me hear them both. That are in consideration: Austin Lingo, Joaquin Buckley. Okay, I can agree with you on the Joaquin Buckley. I think that the Lingo Kilburn fight, you know. Kilburn, he's training the American top team, and he has been, and he has some sneaky pop. Uh, people asking about when Pete's next fight is going to be, you know, I, I've heard he's got his people working on it. I heard that as well. Looking like a March or April, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be right here before you know it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that will, uh, we, we have said, you know, that we will announce it here on the show when Pete's uh, return to action is going to be. Yeah, trust me. I wanted to return six, eight months ago, but uh, COVID had other plans. Yeah, especially there in the Northeast. You really can't, you know, with what's, yeah, not- what's going on there. It's, it's tough, you know. It is, you know, it's just very tough. Um, just want uh you got Tanner mentioning that we don't have the 7,900 and 8,300 salaries on DK, and it is a killer lineup construction. I mean, good point, my man. We had uh, some fights. Remember, uh, I want to say it was uh, the Tom Breeze fight was a 200, 8,000 fight. That fight is now on the Wednesday card, and then yeah. there was another one that got moved as well. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, this is an interesting dynamic with the pricing. So, um you know, the, the mid-range is kind of absent if you look at it. I mean, what do we have? We have 8,600 Felipe, 8,400 Yanan, 8,500 Todorovic. Everything else after that is 8,600 and up. Like, that's that's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, Miles says, out of all the fires, who wrestles the most? It's a great question. Um, you haven't seen it in the UFC, but I think Todorovic goes to the wrestling well pretty often. Um, Amiv is, is probably... First, maybe second. Yeah. I mean, look, and when um, Sir Physical says, well, we've seen from Matt Brown recently, there's been spurts in fights where he's looked good, but then it just it, it's, it kind of crumbles on him. I mean, outside of the Diego Sanchez fight, which we all kind of saw that one coming, um, you know, I mean, look, he's he's an aging fighter. There, there's no doubt about it. And I could very – it's like you mentioned earlier in the show. If Matt Brown doesn't get the win on Saturday – I think the likelihood is this is probably his last fight. I think, and he kind of, he kind of alluded to he understands that you know the time is coming to an end. I also think it's kind of like a a perfect fight to leave out on, right? If you're not losing to a hot prospect and a new kid on the block and kind of passing the torch, you're losing or fighting a guy that you kind of grew in the sport with or alongside with, and Carlos Condit, another notable name, a veteran. So. uh you know, I think it's the perfect way to go out, whether you win or lose. Uh, let's uh, finish over here on this question. This comes from Britt in our premium Slack channel. It says, with more entries in the DraftKings big GPP than possible lineups, 
Assuming you don't stack, what is a strategy for getting unique this slate? Um, well, that will have to depend on the scoring. Um, getting unique this slate. I, I'll tell you what, Buckley's probably going to roster some insane ownership because of what he has done, you know, with his viral knockouts. Um, you have to think of the household names of Holloway, Condit. They're going to be pretty heavily owned, you know. And uh, maybe a stack is the way to go with this new scoring system. I don't know. I don't know yet. We'll have to see. My suggestion would be, and Britt, since you're a, a premium member, look at the ownerships and look at everyone under 25%. I think that's where you got to start. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing. Because, because there there are some fires under twenty percent that I think have got a chance to potentially be in the optimal lineup. It's a great point, Jason. Yeah. So, but of course, so we'll be back on Saturday morning, eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time for live before lock. We'll get you ready for UFC Fight Island number seven, aka UFC on ABC number one. Of course, main card on ABC on Saturday afternoon. 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, if you ever have any questions for the show, you know how to do that. You can go on our premium Slack channel, or uh, you can hit Pete and myself up on Twitter. So that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Strategy Show, and we will see you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Mm-hmm.